yeah, it's just great confidence, isn't it, that uh, we know that uh, God always looks after us. Um, he has a vested interest in our future. Um, and, yeah, you mentioned about victory, and that's the title of this talk, is Victory. Uh, I want to go through some scriptures just to encourage people uh, that we have the victory. It's actually a past tense thing, that um, we have the victory through Jesus Christ. And, uh, and like Chris said, we go through things, stuff happens. You know, stuff happens. We are human beings. We're made of flesh and blood. Stuff happens. And, uh, but we, uh, the encouragement in this uh, passage, this few scriptures is to just remember that we have the victory and to continue to press in. So let's open up to uh, John chapter 13. John chapter 13. An interesting uh, little aspect in here that's worth remembering. And so we'll talk about victory today. John chapter 13, and we'll start in verse 1. So John 13 and verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. So Jesus knew that his hour was about to come. He knew the Passover, the Passover that was about to, uh, to come for Fall will be when he uh, will, uh, will be killed. So we know that he was uh, preaching uh, about the kingdom of God for three and a half years. So he celebrated a couple of Passovers before and he knew this upcoming one was the one where his hour would come and uh, he will be killed. Um, and it says in verse 2, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. And then there's a little bit of a, a conversation as he's going around uh, washing the disciples' feet. So what's interesting here, it starts out, as I said, that he knows his hour is about to come, where his life will end. He'll go through this blizzard of pain. Uh, He'll uh, experience uh, the rejection of God uh, because he was made sin, as was uh, prophesied. Um, And then uh, at this point, he then makes himself lower, figuratively, lower than uh, his disciples by washing their feet and encouraging us also uh, to not be afraid of weakness, okay, and to make ourselves lower to wash each other's feet. So Jesus, but before that statement, there's this verse, or in verse 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, okay, So he realised, he knew without a shadow of a doubt that God had given him all things. He knew without a shadow of a doubt that he was come from God and that he will go to God. Okay, We also know without a shadow of a doubt we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We speak in tongues. Okay, We know that came from God and we know because Jesus Christ laid out the example that we will go to God. We know that, but what we often forget... We're human beings, of course. 
that it says here Jesus knows in his brain, with his understanding, that his Father had given him all things. Right? Now, we have laid up in heaven a treasure, a place in a mansion, you know, to dwell with God forever in a new body, a spiritual body. We know that. God has given us all things. So as a result of this understanding that Jesus had, that God had given him all things, what did he do? He was happy to give everything up. He made himself lower and he, he, uh, he realised he did have everything and he was comfortable to go forth and uh, be crucified uh, knowing that he had all things already. Right? And this is hard for us to remember when we're going through things in life, we forget that we have the victory, that God has already given us all things. So why are we so afraid to give up things? Why are we so afraid to, uh, to, to give all things uh, up uh, for the Lord? Because it turns out he's given us everything. It's, a, it's an amazing aspect here. And I understand, because I'm a person as well, that... It, it's a hard thing to give all things up. And we forget that God has given us all things, that we have the victory. Okay? It says uh, that we're to uh, carry his cross da- our cross daily, lay our life down for him. You know, uh, because we understand that all things have been given into our hands. That if we suffer loss now, God will make it up because all things are given to us. It's a very flippant way to look at it and it's hard for us to uh, think of these things. But God's trying to encourage us that Jesus, as an example, laid his life down, made himself lower than everyone because he knew all things were given to him. Because he knew he had the victory. He understood the promises in the Bible, the Old Testament at this stage. He knew the promises and the prophecies and so forth. So he was willing to lay down, give up. 1 Kings chapter 17, interesting little story here. And it's kind of a weird thing that in order for Jesus Christ to get everything, he had to give up something. And uh, this is a similar little story that might make a bit more sense to us. 1 Kings chapter 17, and we'll start in verse 8. So 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, that's being Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee, or to feed thee, look after thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, 
neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Elijah. So it's interesting here that um, Elijah, which is uh, figuratively a type of God here, says, look, give me your last food for me to eat. <laughs> and, uh, and then the promise was that you'll have a food in abundance. Now, naturally, why? Why would you do that? Um, this, this person comes along and uh, giving your last bit of food to them. And where she said already, this is our last meal. We'll eat this meal and then we'll die. Um, so what happens is, yes, we, understand, we get it that, uh, that God sent his son to bridge that gap, poured out the Holy Spirit to bridge that gap between himself and mankind so that we could have this relationship with God that created everything. But there's also what happens here for us. He's looking for us to step forward first in faith. So he did that first as an example, but then us, here as people, he wants us to step forward in faith, giving up things in faith, knowing that we have the victory so that then we may receive. So here this lady gave up all the food she had and then lo and behold, after that, uh, the Lord blessed it and the barrel uh, of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail. After she gave up everything, he gave her all things. As Elijah promised, said, look, God will give you all things if you give me that morsel of meat. Malachi chapter 3. So she trusted Elijah, knowing that, yes, what he says is true. What he says is yea and amen. That uh, God will provide if she would only give up all that she had. And verse 8. So Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And he says, in tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. So this is what he's saying. is like he's waiting for us to give in faith. And he's using this example of tithes and offerings. You know, like, uh, uh, and yeah, you, you can reflect on the story of the widow in Zarephath. It's like, why? It doesn't make any sense. You know, why would you give tithes and offerings to a, to a, to a god? Like, like, you can spend it on stuff now. You know, it doesn't make sense. But in a way, we're robbing God, what's rightfully his. But he's saying, look, do that in faith, 
knowing in faith. And it's beautifully written here, and I've, I've said this a few times. He will open the windows of heaven. And that's exactly what happened with that widow in Zarephath. The windows of heaven were open. Uh, the, the, the food didn't fail. The oil didn't fail. It just opened miraculously. But he, here again, he's asking for us in faith to give up something so that then he can just pour it out. And I just thought of the Niagara Falls then, like just pour water out into our life, blessing into our life. And then not only that, um, he will keep the devourer away from us. There's other things that might uh, consume uh, things that we have. It doesn't have to be um, possessions. It can be um, like uh, mentality. It can be knowledge. It can be all these time or whatever. And then others will see we're blessed. Do you know what I mean? Others will see that we're blessed because he'll open the windows of heaven. But it started with us giving something up. Okay? And there's that faith that uh, you start by giving up something, knowing you have all things, knowing you have the victory. Okay? That's the point I'm trying to make. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 and verse 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's given us all things. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. So here it starts out like seek the kingdom of God first and all things will be added unto you. There's that effort into seeking the Lord first and that faith knowing that the windows of heaven will be poured out. And it says here like where your heart is, that's where your treasure is, where your priorities are. You know, where are we putting all our effort? You know, uh, laying up treasure in heaven. Now uh, he uses the word treasure, it's like an income. You know, I mean, it's a very crude way of describing it, but we do work for the Lord, so we get an income. We're laying up treasure in heaven when we uh, give up time and resources to do work in the Lord. It's like this income that we're storing in heaven, and, uh, and that's where our heart belongs. Nobody can get to that treasure, you know. It says elsewhere very uh, uh, subtly that we'll be given back all that, uh, that we've laid up in heaven. So there's an implication there that uh, the more you do for the Lord here on earth, the more treasure you pile up in heaven, you'll get it back. It'll all be given back. There's no moth or rust can corrupt that. But we know the wealth we have here on earth, if we have a heart on, on the wealth here on earth, it's just going to disappear. The elements will melt with fervent heat. So we are... Uh, knowing that he'll open the windows of heaven and bless us here on earth, he's asking us to seek him first and he'll provide earthly things 
and laying up our treasure in heaven, he'll provide earthly things. Okay, that's his promise. He's left us here on earth for a reason. So he knows we need stuff. And so he'll provide if we lay up treasure in heaven, if our heart is on things that are heavenly. And, uh, and we're not afraid to lose the things that we have here on earth. And that is difficult in itself because <laughs> we have this understanding with natural eyes here. And then finishes in verse 37, blessed are those servants. We serve the living God. We're doing the things that he's asked us to do. When he comes, finds us watching, active, looking forward to his return. And then he'll give us the kingdom. He'll give us the kingdom and he'll serve us. You know, these are promises that are written in the Bible. They are true. Okay, I'm not making it up. And uh, for us to be reassured. Over to our chapter 18 and verse 1. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and to not faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man. Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, Shall he find faith on the earth? So a lovely little story there. It's obviously a parable. And this man who had no regard for God or anything else is just a selfish character. He turns out he's a judge. Even he was broken down by continual um, uh, asking to be avenged. So if this man can be broken down like that, wouldn't God... (laughs) with their continual uh, going to him and pleading with him. And uh, so what he's encouraging is just keep at it, keep asking, knowing we have the victory, knowing we are serving the living God, knowing we've laid our life down for him. We're doing the best we can. That's all he asks is the best. We're doing the best we can for him, knowing all that, that he'll open the windows of heaven with our continual pleading and asking for uh, for. And an end for whatever's going on in our life. We cry day and night. Would he not avenge us speedily? If with this example of this unjust judge. But then it says in verse 8, at the end, it says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. That takes faith as well. Regardless of what we think, that God's not listening to my prayer. I've been praying about this thing for donkey's ages. And he's not listening. Regardless of what we think, we still do it. That's faith. That's faith. Or we might look back on an example in the past and think, oh, I prayed for something there and it never happened. Now, I, um, I was just thinking then, I, I witnessed to this other fellow I used to work with. He was a work supervisor. And uh, his dad was dying. And I um, thought, right, I'll offer prayer. He died the next day. Couldn't believe it. I rocked up to work and he 
died the next day after I went to the prayer room, mentioned his name for prayer. And so these things, these linger in the back of our mind. But what the Lord's saying is, will he find faith on the earth? Okay, whatever. Faith is continually asking and continually praying, regardless of what we think, regardless of our past experiences, because God's got it all in hand. That's faith. Okay, regardless of what we think, we have this faith and knowing that, hey, look, we are those faithful people that God will find on the face of the earth when the Son of Man returns, knowing that he will give us all things. He's already given us all things. We've already got the victory. Okay? Over to John chapter 16. John chapter 16 and verse 23. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he'll give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. And that day you shall ask in my name, and I shall not say unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and am come into the world again. I leave the world, and go to the Father. Okay, there's a promise here, it says verily, verily. And uh, we understand that verily... Uh, is translated from the Greek, Amen. Alpha, Mu, Eta, Nu. And numerically that's 99. It's like same as Amen. It's finished. It's over. It's yay and Amen. So he's saying, verily, verily, this is it. This is a promise. <coughs> I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he'll give it you. He's got the big picture there. He understands all things that he has given us all things, that we have the victory. He just wants us to continually ask, continually plead, not give up, keep that faith, knowing that he's given us all things, that we have the victory. And the thing is there, it says in verse 25, like here, while he walked on earth, he spoke in Proverbs, but he speaks plainly now. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We have this understanding. We continue to grow in understanding. There's a plain understanding. We hear testimonies of others, the wonderful answers to prayer. Uh, these are things that are plain, obvious to us. He's now speaking to us. And our Father himself loves us. Okay? It's a strong word. When uh, Jesus Christ, when God our Father uses the term love, it's a very strong term, deep, eternal, transcends time. There's a rock, immovable. That's how he is toward us, his dear children. Matthew 17 and verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, 
How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? Very uh, reasonable question. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence and go up. Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. In other words, by continual prayer. Okay? And when he says here, you couldn't do it because of your unbelief, it's because you gave up. That's all it is. Because uh, if we believe, we continue to pray. We believe we're going to get answers. We believe we have all things. We believe we've got the victory. So if we are in a position of unbelief, it means we've given up. Forget it. It's like, um, it's not that complicated. When Jesus went to some towns, it says he didn't perform many miracles there because of their unbelief. So he did perform some, but not many. And it's because the others didn't ask him. Those that believed went and asked him. So we continue to believe. And because we continue to ask and we continue to believe on the bigger picture that we'll be raised up, that Jesus Christ will return. And it says here simply, we only need the faith of a grain of mustard seed. It's a very simple faith. I'm just going to keep asking. That's pretty simple faith, isn't it? I'm just going to keep asking because faith in God, just a small bit of faith to keep at it, keep harping, harping at it, that uh, looking for that answer, knowing in the back of our mind that we already have the victory, that we are champions here, okay, because of what God's done for us. And, uh, and then that, yeah, howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting, continual prayer, continually beseeching the Lord over and over again. And it says there, nothing shall be impossible unto you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the penultimate scripture. And that faith of a mustard seed, when I read that, I think, right, one mustard seed. It's like those, uh, the, the parable of the talents, you know. Someone was given one talent, someone was given two, someone was given five. So we're all given one talent. We all have this mustard seed. It's the Holy Spirit. We've all got that. So how do you get two? Well, you use that one talent. You invest that one talent. You pray continually. Then you get a second talent, which might be understanding, uh, like a vision, all these things. Then you use those two talents. You know, go out witnessing and and tell testimonies and so forth. Then you get four. That's how it multiplies. But it starts with that little mustard seed of faith that you use. Okay? You use that talent. And that's the prayer in the spirit that faith that we have the victory. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this incorruptible, sorry, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. 
So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, because the law defined sin. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. Okay, these fundamentals. Death is swallowed up in victory. You know, um, the grave has no victory. Life has victory now through the Spirit. We have the victory. And so then that conclusion there, because of this understanding that we have the victory and we have all things have been given unto us, let us be steadfast. Right, I'm determined to keep praying. I'm determined to seek the Lord continually. I'm determined to harp at him like that widow that, for that avenging. Con- determined, unmovable. I don't care what I think. I don't care what people tell me. I am determined. Determined to keep seeking the Lord over and over and over again. Absolutely determined. Unmovable stead and steadfast. And we continue abounding in the work of the Lord. Our labour is not in vain. We're piling up that treasure in heaven. You know, those storehouses of treasure in heaven, piled up. And there's no uh, grubs that are going to eat that up. Or no rust or anything. It's pure. It's spiritual. And that's the determination. That's the faith that uh, the Lord's looking for when his son returns. Last scripture, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. So let us not give up. Let us keep at it. We have moments where we want to give up. Of course, God understands that. Jesus himself wanted to give up. If, uh, could you please take this cup of suffering from me? You know, uh, he was grieved. But he knew God's plan. And at the head of that, he knew he was given all things. Okay? And that gave him strength to go through with what was about to happen. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. So what that says is God is this, uh, this thing, God, that begats. He's the one that gives birth, right? Gives birth to the Spirit and people, fills them with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that uh, figuratively gave birth to Jesus Christ himself, begat Jesus Christ. So we also, it says there, everyone that loves him that begat, so we love God, for all that he's done. So therefore we also love him also that is begotten of him. The brethren, we love everyone who's in the Lord. We have that love because we see the spirit that are begotten of the Father. Because we love God, we love our brothers and sisters. It's by default. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, 
and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And that's referring to us. Who is he that overcomes the world? We do. You know, because we're filled with the Spirit. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And we know he is because we have the Spirit in us. And it says in verse 3 toward the end, it says, His commandments are not grievous. You know, beautiful scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that uh, he will not give us anything we can't handle. And I've said before, it gets pretty close. But uh, he, he won't give us more than we can handle and he'll help us through it. So his commandments aren't grievous. In fact, his commandments are good for us. Okay, it's contrary to what we want to do. But when we chop our head off and follow his commandments, we realise that is the way to go. And we keep at it. We keep being steadfast and unmovable, determined and grabbing hold of the promises that all things are being given to us, that we have the victory. We've just got to keep at it, keep plodding along, keep uh, uh, um, feeding the Spirit, and that's by coming to meetings, praying in the Spirit, reading the Bible, asking questions. I'm here for questions. I've got a phone. I can respond uh, if I miss your phone. Phone call, just leave a message. We can talk about these things so that people grow in understanding and uh, about what it's like to be in the kingdom of God and to keep asking, no matter what situation we're in, knowing beforehand that he's given us all things. Okay, thank you. We'll uh, have the uh, communion service now. Um, Rod, I was wondering if you could help. Yeah, excellent. Thank you.